You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beej, the advancing journeyman developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. It's that time of year again. Time to predict what's going to happen this year. We've made it through another year and Will and I are going to go over what happened this year, talk about whether or not we hit it or missed it, and then make predictions for next year. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, uh, I got to spend some quality time in a float tank. Um, I got about 90 minutes. Uh, my schedule just suddenly cleared for an, for an evening, and I was like, well, I'm going to go right now. And I called, and they had an opening that was exactly at the perfect time, and it's like, yep, this worked out. So I got to spend 90 minutes in there, got to think through a lot of stuff and figure out you know, some things I needed to correct, You know, some course corrections. That's what tends to come out when I'm in there for a while. And the other thing I'm doing right now is I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to take time off. That's something I struggle with a lot. I'm thinking at, you know, currently it's probably going to be like the last week of the year. Just like I stop before Christmas and I come back after the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got got a few days left over. I'm not real sure what to do with them. So, yeah, that's it's nothing real stressful right now. So how about you? Well, I had the weirdest error ever today in Visual Studio. So I had it closed down to work on some other things, then opened it back up in all the classes that I had built this sprint weren't being recognized in their namespace. They were there in the solution explorer, but when I tried to build, I got errors that they weren't in the namespace. I've seen that before on mine and you're using 2017. Right. Yeah. I'm using 2013 and it still does it there. Yeah. Like they, they were like a lot of times if you do a clean. Yeah, I did. And it didn't work. Wow. Yeah, I, I did a clean, I did a build, I did a rebuild, nothing worked. The other thing I've like done a- is switch to it, is uh, built it in release mode, like done a clean, build it in release mode, then do a clean, and then build it in debug mode, and I've had that fix it before. So I couldn't build. Well, you try. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, well, no, I mean, I couldn't, like, the, the thing that says, like, your, like, Chrome is what I use, it was, it said start. Uh, oh. You and, and then it's like, control it, shift B? Yeah, I could, I could do a build like that, but I couldn't, like, yeah. run it. Because it was telling me, oh, you can't run a class oh, yeah. library. And I'm like, it's supposed to be a web API. Why is this trying to build a class library? Oh, so the project file was damaged. Yeah. Okay. So I may, I may have to roll that Git. I don't know. So here's, here's what happened. I went to a feature branch, came back, and all of a sudden they're working. But I still can't, I still can't run the project. So That's weird. It sounds like the project file was Yeah, because sometimes it'll get a little bit. I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure why this happens the way it does, but it's hit me a couple times like that. Well, it's just mysterious. It was weird. And it wastes so much time. It's like when you get a, you know, you ever had a couple of days where like Visual Studio crashes? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this happens to me every so often. There's There'll be two or three days where it crashes on me 10 times in a day. Yeah. And then it just stops. And I'm like, I literally did nothing. To, I mm-hmm. didn't do anything that caused it. I didn't do anything that fixed it. It's just like you cosmic rays. Doing, yeah. You wonder if they're doing like, upgrades in the background yeah stuff like that makes you wonder yeah yeah very disconcerting so it's the end of the year and we're a few sprints into this project that i'm working on we've got our next sprint that ends right in the middle of the holidays 
So we've been discussing whether or not to extend the sprint until after the holidays, or if we should take on a little less work and, you know, effectively have a shorter sprint due to the holidays. So we're, we're kind of, I would take on less work and keep the cadence the same. Well, that's the thing. The cadence will change because uh, our sprint end and start dates happen to fall on holidays. Oh, yeah, that's so the cadence will be the same if we go, if we wait. Yeah, I was just thinking from the perspective of like how you you compare your burn down rates and those kind of things mm-hmm. that having them be the same length probably maybe is a little better. I don't know. That's that's hard because, it, you know, if it ended in the middle of Christmas, I mean, you don't want to come back and do your retrospective when dang, I hadn't been there in a week. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's that's rough. You might shorten it. And do your, you know, get your retrospective in there, but oh, I don't know, that's, we, that's we've, we've talked about it. the thing is if we shorten it, it won't be, a, I mean, it would be less than a week. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be either extend it or you could have a mini sprint that's just for structural improvements to yeah. your process or something. We've, we've talked about that. What we're thinking about doing is we've got a couple of spikes in there that we want to do some research on. So we're talking about just extending it so that we can have our same start stop day. Yeah. And keep the, reset the rhythm at the first of the year since so many people are going to be taking a lot of time off during this this time of year so we're Hmm. we're toying with it we'll see what happens overall the team just wants to extend the sprint but management has to approve that so we're kind of waiting to find out what they say yeah if you wait long enough it won't matter Uh, talking about the holidays even though this is going to come out after the holidays are over i've got something for you maybe to build this year for the next holiday season for IOTs. So let's go ahead and roll the music. This week for IOTs, I have a fun project called the IOT Holiday Lights Project. And a quote from the website, a project where I connect Christmas tree lights to my Twitter account and make some minions dance and sing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a kind of a fun project. The idea behind this is to tie in all of your holiday lights, uh, both inside and outside of your house to a central controller, probably an Arduino that gets its commands from a raspberry Pi with Wi-Fi and open hab. This way, you can control your lights through your phone. With a little more coding, you could even add in some dancing lights to the music you're playing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Get a little oomps, 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 oomps. Yes. Um, Or, you know, go perfectly with the new Lindsey Sterling holiday album that's out. Ah, see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this is pretty cool because, you know, the the Christmas lights and stuff are going to be on sale soon. Yeah. Well, they're going to be on sale when this episode comes out. So So if you're like me and you can't solder, you can buy more of them in case you screw up. (laughs) That's a really good point. I'll have the link to this in the show notes so you guys can follow along. Who's talking to us this week? Grab an iTunes review from John St. Amant. And he says, the most practical software developer podcast there is. And funny. It's a challenging field we're in. And so BJ's wit, BJ and Will's wit is very welcome as they explore relevant topics in an insightful and down-to-earth manner. I learn something of value with every episode. I think you said it right the first time. <laughs> BJ's wit. I was waiting on that. I knew. <laughs> like, I didn't even start saying it over because I just knew... <laughs> 
like it's it's like I can say it over, but he's just gonna just use the bad one anyway. Because <laughs> he liked the way that one came out. <laughs> hey John, we really want to thank you for the iTunes review. The five stars are awesome. We love seeing those. And the the comment was great too. Send us an email at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com with your contact information because we've got a Complete Developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Path and Tumblr, and we're on Instagram if we ever get around to posting anything there. Yeah, it's nice that we're honest. <laughs> you can check us out each week on Facebook Live, Twitter Live, or Periscope. We'll be adding more as we learn more about doing the live shows. And we get less lazy, which could happen any day now. That's Yeah, right. Don't hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> Join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. It is interesting that the tool that we really do diligently use is called Slack. That is so true. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's, it was built to help teams work more effectively together. Yeah. And it's called Slack. <laughs> so there you go. I think they mean like Slack and, you know, as far as like tension, not like Slack as in Slacker. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So this episode sort of has become a tradition now, since this is going to be our third year doing it. I can't believe we've been podcasting for three years now. Last year, we made four predictions about 2017. We'll start by discussing kind of our hit and miss rate, and then we'll get into our predictions for tech in 2018. Yes, and we'll, I want to point out that as far as predictions go, like nobody predicts the future. The future is a treacherous beast, to put it mildly. Um, we do have a slightly better rate than the Magic 8-Ball because the only one that's always true in there is Outlook Not Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. No, it's never good. When I get, a, when I get an email message, I'm like, oh. Because <laughs> it's, it's never less work. That's true. That's so true. So we're going to go through, we're going to go back and forth with these. I'm claiming to have hit three out of four. I don't know what you are. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe three out of four at most. At most. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, I guess you kind of had the same. So my first prediction was that there would be an increase in IoT security products and services available, including smart home security. You know what, guys? I'm calling this a hit. Germany recently, and we talked about this on the live show, Germany banned smartwatches for kids. We're seeing a push in policy for IoT companies to increase their security. You know, I, I think this is a big hit. We've been talking about IoT security, good grief, since we started the podcast and I wanted to do a section on IoT. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, there's like the running gag that, you know, the S in IoT stands for security. That's only a running gag because you keep saying it. I want it to keep running until <laughs> uh, until somebody looks at me and goes, that's a dumb joke. They fixed that. Yeah. That's what I want. And so we keep hammering it. Let's, <laughs> no, you. <laughs> well, okay. Realistically, I'm just going to keep hammering it because I'm kind of a jerk. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but, but, 
But I'm going to pretend to have noble aspirations like all true jerks should do. So my first uh, prediction for 2017 was that Internet providers would be scrambling to get rid of net neutrality so they can continue their ripoff practices aided by the big money interests who keep Congress people as pets. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, not a really long limb or one that's likely to break, and say that that was a direct hit, 100%. We're seeing that right now. Uh, It turns out that they're keeping more than just Congress people as pets. They have an entire stable of pets that encompasses most of Washington, D.C. Fair enough. My second prediction from last year was that robotic chefs would be available to the public and not the Rube Goldberg machine from Back to the Future. So I had based this on a company that had said they were going to start producing these. And I missed this. Barely. Moly Technology has a robotic kitchen chef that was scheduled for sale in 2017, but is still in market preparation. Uh, Basically, it didn't pass QA. (laughs) That's what I'm guessing from that. But it's supposed to go on pre-sale in 2018. So, I mean, when I say I missed this, I I mean, you know, I ruffled some feathers. Yeah. I just wonder, uh, you know, like what is what constitutes not passing QA for a robotic chef? Because, you know, there's knives in there. (laughs) Like that's that's a whole other kind of finding out something doesn't work right. Well, like I said, my assumption is it didn't pass QA. It's still in market preparation. You got to do the uh, the Dr. Evil Evil quotes. (laughs) Oh, man. So my second prediction was um, a pop of one or more of the U.S. monetary bubbles, either in medical care, housing, higher ed, student loans, commercial real estate, warfare, or information technology. Take your pick, possibly with cascading effects. Probably mitigated in some fashion, but still messy for the people in the middle of it all. And I would say this one was not quite a hit. Um, I predicted it the year before as well. Although I will say that online ad networks have had kind of the same behavior as being a bubble. And that one is going right now. Um, but I didn't put it in the list, so I can't you know, go back and alter what I wrote down without a whole lot of effort. So I didn't. Um, (laughs) You can just take some work. Yeah, it would like it'd be really detailed. and I don't feel like it. So I kind of missed it on that. But there are a lot of things that can't continue. And so eventually they won't. The thing is, and and I'm going to call this like mine, a miss barely. Yeah. Because you didn't say specifically those industries. You said either in one of these industries. So and to me, it was like the big thing was, one or more U.S. monetary bubbles. And then you listed off some possibilities. So while no, the ad networks weren't a specific thing you listed, they still kind of fall into information technology. Yeah, I guess I was And they kind of cover, like, com- they cover a little bit of everything because I've seen higher education, housing, medical care, student loans, commercial, real estate. I haven't seen ads for warfare. I have no. seen ads for guns, but, you know. Well, I mean, the warfare bubble is is like, hey, they say, we're going to quit spending quite so much blowing up random places. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be tapering off, no matter who's in office. So, I, I would call this a miss because what I was saying is a bubble pop, not a deflation, really. Fair. Like I said, you, you missed barely, just like my robotic chef. Yeah. Like, I, I missed by the fact that they didn't start selling this year. 
Yeah, because this could happen. I mean, it could happen tomorrow. Right. Like, we could literally record this, and by the time this episode actually airs... It, this could be wrong. That's yeah. right. Uh, most likely not, just because bubbles don't tend to pop this close to the end of the year. Right. My third prediction for 2017 was that major PHP legacy apps will start switching to JavaScript frameworks, such as Node.js. And I'm calling this a hit-ish. Several places have moved away from PHP, though not entirely. Like, even WordPress is doing more JavaScript than PHP development now. Yeah, they have a they have an Electron app. Yeah. I mean... You know, they're, they're, they are doing a lot. Um, the other thing you're seeing with PHP, I think that's relevant, is that they are actually switching to better frameworks like Laravel. Now, I will say this about PHP. PHP has made a major fight back. They're, they're coming out with some really good stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's... I was hoping this would be a full-on hit because I don't like PHP and I like JavaScript. But really, some of the stuff that I'm seeing coming out with PHP... It's kind of cool. And, and I'm it's like, not bad if it's done right. Right. And uh, I'm looking at it and I'm going, all right, you know, the biggest the biggest problem I had with PHP was more that it was, we have to work with the older stuff and you know, things that were built the wrong way because it was the only way we had to build them at the time. Yeah. And we have to still maintain those. But now they're getting to where they're not having to do that as much. And well, it's... Well, and, and your perception of PHP is the way we perceived JavaScript, um, circa 2008, 2009 mm -hmm. time frame, you know, like right as jQuery was coming out because people had a lot of JavaScript in their apps and it was really hard to maintain. And so you looked around and you said, what's the worst programming language out there? It was JavaScript as far yeah. as everybody knew because 99% of the code was crap. And I think PHP has kind of found itself in this position. I don't know that I would say 99% of the code is crap, but it was very uh, beginner level friendly. You could build stuff up and, and get it working quickly. Well, yeah, and, you know, I think that PHP may make a comeback. Like, JavaScript did. Good grief, people are are getting jobs just as JavaScript developers. Yeah, and that's something that was not going on back in the day. Right, and I've seen jobs for PHP developers, but, I mean, possibly, and this was where I was last year, but where I am now, I am thinking... PHP, because I've looked into it, I've followed it this throughout the year, and I've seen a lot of the things coming out of PHP recently, and PHP may make a comeback. Yeah, and I've had conversations with um, some pretty good PHP developers you mm -hmm. know, who've been kind of following along, and my perception of it has changed drastically over the last year. Like, I guess they decided they had to get their act together, and especially with like Laravel and some of that stuff. I'm I'm pretty stoked about what's coming out of there. Not because I'm going to jump in and do PHP, but because it puts pressure on everybody else. Oh, yeah. And I, I think it's going to make the PHP environment better. Yeah. It's like what, you know, thing like jQuery and then Node and things like that did with JavaScript. It made the entire ecosystem better. Yeah. And I wonder, too, if we're not going to see a competitor to WordPress come out. Now, that would be amazing. That would be glorious. Like something that can do what WordPress can do without all the problems and with maybe a better plugin architecture. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I would love to see something like that built in JavaScript because I'm more comfortable with JavaScript, to be honest. And it's, you know, I could get in there and I could tinker with it a bit better. Yeah. And I could build things for it. And you won't have as much legacy and as many people that use 
old things in the code to break into it. Right. Because that's been a big problem with WordPress. I remember seeing earlier this year, you know, like global variables getting hit by some plugins and they could breach the plugin and then get in and you're just nailed. You have right. to have the plugin to get stuff done and be able to build a system. So I, w- I would like to see something that's maybe a little bit more developer friendly mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah. I, I think while I, if this was a hit ish. Yeah. You know, a lot of places are moving away from PHP. I think PHP is recognizing, hey, we got to get our stuff together or we're going to become a dead language. Yeah. And they, I mean, well, and like your PHP, yeah, your PHP developers are moving away from legacy PHP. Right. Like they're, they've got their stuff together. I mean, like and they really are. They, they saw what happened with JavaScript and they're like, hey, let's get our stuff together. And it's starting to happen. So while a lot of places, have moved away from PHP towards JavaScript. I think in the next several years, we may see a resurgence of PHP and they may come out with some pretty neat stuff. I think what they're going to have to do to really, really grab everyone's attention and get back as a major language, they're going to have to come out with something so unique, so different that nobody else has. That's the only way they're really going to do it. Yeah. But I mean, they have a, they have a large enough user base. They could pull that off. Oh, they that's, could. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. I think they they may, over the course of this year following this, I, I have come to think that they may do that, but it's not going to be in the next year or two. It's going to be several years down the line. Yeah. They do have a pretty strong advantage in that most of your Apache installs will handle PHP very easily. Right. Um, you don't have to do as much crap for setup. And so I think they probably can leverage that into something. It'd be interesting to see what they do. And then seeing the rest of the players in the market react to that, which is how stuff gets into .NET. I, I love learning how other languages do neat things because eventually it'll show up in, in .NET as a reaction. So my third prediction was revitalization of some rougher parts of the country, you know, Detroit among others. As companies get jittery about the risks of offshoring and as some investment comes back into depressed areas, Detroit does have a pretty good location for a lot of things. And that doesn't change even with the city tanking like it did. Money's going to slosh around a bit for a while as things change in the economy. And I will say that I kind of got a hit on this one. It hasn't completely come roaring back, but there have been some success stories from some places that have really sunk pretty low. Um, there, there is opportunity there. Um, the other thing is that the outsourcing picture is not very clear at the moment, like how it's going to look over the next four or five years. You know, all campaign promises aside, like that didn't really get solved. Like we didn't, yeah. we don't have an answer for that that people can put into their financial projections yet. I've got some kin that live up in Detroit now, and they've said it's it's getting better. Yeah, and I think I mean they've got a long road to get back, but. The thing is, is they, they kind of hit the bottom and bounced. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what like Detroit does, what Memphis does, what uh, you know, New Orleans does, what um, Sacramento or San Diego, I forget which one. There's a couple of, there's a couple of major cities in California that kind of, you know, got slapped down pretty good too by the economy. There's opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so some of those city leaders will take advantage of it. Yeah. Like New Orleans has become, well, the whole South really has become a big place for movies and TV shows. Yeah. Like, I know when I was living down there four or five years ago, they were filming all sorts of movies and stuff there. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that's coming back in. Like, um, my wife's, is it great uncle? Yeah. Her great uncle had a farm that's about four miles from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And they have now filmed, I think, at least two movies there. 
Um, the first one, I think they were both horror movies because it's like this old country house and they've got this <laughs> really tight spiral staircase going up. Nice. And it's just kind of dark in there. But, you know, I think I think they had a little trouble getting the pentagram off the floor from the uh, the first movie, you know, stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, s- things are changing out here and mm-hmm. they're changing in a lot of areas where there hasn't been a lot of money for a long time. That's 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 true. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think this is like like my last one. This is a hit ish. Yeah, it's a hit. But the full weight of the hit hasn't happened yet. Right. So my final prediction for last year was that you and I would both speak at a conference in 2017, thus starting our speaking careers. I am going to not only call this a hit, I'm going to call this a grand slam out the ballpark. Yeah. Because you spoke at DevSpace in Huntsville, and I spoke the very next week at Bar Camp here in Nashville. And then we've both spoken at boot camps and schools and user groups. Like we we have done exactly this. And we had a live panel at Music City Code. We did. And, and you did some stuff at Bar Camp too with like recording with people. I don't know if you had an audience for that too. Oh, it, well, it wasn't an audience, but I, I recorded for their podcast. The Junior yeah. Developer Toolbox crew and I took a session recording interviews for the Bar Camp podcast. And that was really awesome. Um, it was really cool because I actually got to meet the son of the president of the university we went to when we were there. Yeah. He was a few years younger than us, so we, we weren't in school with him. But like me, he went into a completely different career. Uh, he went into music and noticed how a lot of his friends who were interested in music had gone into programming when they were in school. And really loved it. So he got to talking to them and they're like, oh no, man, it, it it really connects. And so he did a talk on music and programming. Yeah. So, Neat. you know, maybe in a year or two, I'll predict that one of us will be a, a keynote. It's not coming this year. I know we're not there yet, but yeah, if yeah, it comes I this see, year, that'll be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I see that as something coming up the pike eventually. So my fourth and last prediction for this past year was that one of the major social media networks will completely face plant as a result of censorship, intrusive advertising, inability to combat trolling or a lack of a coherent revenue model. And this was pretty much a hit. I would say it's a hit ish. Uh, Nearly all of them have had some major problems from one of these things or another, but none of them have completely died. None of them have gone all MySpace. Mm hmm. Uh, Twitter has seen you know, some declines, I think, in, in numbers. Um, I know Facebook, most people that I know now are just not on there. You know, it's funny. I have talked to a lot of people that have just gotten off Facebook. They're like, I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And it it's amazing. I have some friends that have said, hey, you know, I'm getting off Facebook eventually. Yeah. And I'm almost never on there. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I advertise the podcast and I'll like a few friends statuses, but I almost never post anything. Yeah. About the only thing that I really do is I converse with some friends. You know, what's interesting is the, the friends that I got together with the other week, they, it was because I ran into one of the guy's little sisters out visiting my mom. And she's like, oh, hey, my brother would love to talk to you. Y'all haven't, you know, he hadn't heard from you in a while. You should really send him a message. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know if his number is still the same. His phone number is the same. So I'll send him a message on Facebook. And that's 
how I found out that he was going to be in town and we ended up hanging out and it was great. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's there. I use it, but very sparingly, not yeah. like I used to where I was on all the time. I think if Google took advantage of this, they could, cause you remember how like the uh, Google circles worked yeah. where you could say, here is a, this circle of friends mm-hmm. and this message is only going to them. Right. I like that. In other words, it models real life effectively. But Facebook, what you do is, is you've got somebody that is, you know, they've got very strong political opinions and they want to express them, but they can't do it to the subset of friends that would be okay with that expression of it. They have to do it to everybody. And so everybody's seeing stuff constantly that ticks them off. Well, Facebook has changed that. You can actually set posts to only show to certain people. Yeah. But it's it's really difficult to it's do, whereas, yeah. whereas Google made it real easy. You yeah. said, go to this group of friends. The other thing is, you may want to post about something that is going on or post pictures from something that you want to go to your, you know, group of trivia buddies, but you don't want your boss seeing, yeah, know, partying and drinking, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And especially with like religion and politics and, and those kind of things like that's just. No, oh, Google, Google had a great, great idea with it. I just, Google Plus never took off. They had some great ideas. It just never, and who knows, we may, with the decline of other things, see that come up. I mean, Facebook was around for years, before, you know, while MySpace was ruling the roost. So yeah. it, it could happen. And I honestly would, I would trust Google more than I would trust Facebook, you know, with get, getting that right. All right, that wraps up the predictions from last year. So we're going to go into our predictions for this coming year. The first one that I have is sort of a corollary to my first one from last year. And this is that we will see an increase in IoT wearables taken off the market. We've had that initial, this is really cool aspect of IoT wearables, but now we're seeing some of the bigger issues, especially around security. And what I'm predicting is that there's going to be a downturn in the growth of the market, you know, at least until the consumer products can be trusted again. Yeah. And that uh, it's, it, what's going to be really scary though, is what it's going to take for the public to start actually valuing the security highly enough Mm -hmm. because it's going to take something bad. Well, I mean, we're already starting to see it with like policy decisions to ban things Yeah, um, for for children and stuff. And I I think we're going to see with those, it's going to start getting some attention and we're going to see a downturn in the wearables in that market. People are going to stop buying as much of them. And the companies are going to have to start working on these security issues to get the customers back. Yeah. And we, we may even see some companies that come out with their, their marketing strategy is security. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing we're going to see, see that is they may not be this year, but at least next year or the following where companies are going to come out with, we are the secure wearables. We are the smartwatch your kid can wear. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. We're the home security system that isn't going to let somebody with a smartphone break into your house. Right. Um, the other thing that interests me on this is the, um, the tendency for a lot of these IOT devices to have to phone home. Like oh. that's the most irritating thing in the world. Like I looked at those uh, neat little uh, light bulbs that could change color. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, there's, there's situations where that might not be, you know, that might not be too bad, but it's got to connect out through the web. 
I'm like, why can't I have a device in my house that I talk to through my smartphone or something or through a computer interface and do that and not have it phone home? And that's that's where half your security holes are coming from. Yeah. The other thing, too, is people used to joke about, uh, well, I guess, what was it? There's a joke that uh, back in the 70s and 80s, people said the government's listening in to to everything you do and say. They're going to wiretap your house. Yeah, they're going to wiretap your house and then... And now in the in the teens, you know, you know, twenty seventeen, people are are going around. Hey, government wiretap! Do cats eat toast? Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, like we would we would laugh at ourselves twenty years ago yeah. that we're even considering some of the stuff. I mean, of course. That said, I did get my Muhammad Alexa for Christmas. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they'll get it figured out eventually, but it's it's going to take a little bit of pain to get there. Yeah. And I'm one of those people that took a long time to get a smartphone, too, for the same, not necessarily for those reasons, but just for, I didn't want to deal with buggy, halfway broken stuff. Like, you remember the early smartphones, mm-hmm. like the Pocket PC and those kind of things? I, I mean, I had I had a... I uh, did have a Pocket PC. Yeah, I had a Pocket PC, but I always had, like, I had the, well, I went with the, what was it, the LG Envy? Yeah. For the longest time, where it wasn't a smartphone, but you had like the full keyboard that you could type on yeah. with two thumbs. And I had that up until, well, I was in med school when I got my first smartphone. You know why I got a smartphone? Was because they were going to do away with unlimited data. And so I wanted to get grandfathered in. Yeah. All right. What's your prediction? So my number one prediction is increased hostility in the culture wars due to social networks increasing friction. And we already talked about this a little bit. Um, I think this thing is going to continue to get worse and it's going to eventually reach an apex. I think we're pretty close, honestly, with Mm -hmm. just the consumer behavior that we're seeing. But we're going to start seeing signs that the bulk of the population is getting really tired of it and trying to come up with better ways to deal with digital interactions with other people. Whether that means not being on Facebook and only communicating uh, by by way of email or only doing face to face, like people are going to figure something else out that isn't as toxic as what we have right now. And I don't think any of the major platforms are really addressing the problems. There actually is. And it's not a major platform, but I've seen some advertisements for it of all places on Facebook, but it's this interesting idea. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it's the, the, the advertisement is have the debate without the hostility. Yeah. And so it is, you have one central point and then people say pros and cons. And so like you can have a pro and then bait from that, someone can say a pro and con to what you said. And then it just sort of like, it's like a circle that yeah, and I think goes out with like red and green pros and cons for each. And it's really neat because it limits how much you can say and it is somewhat anonymous. But it it does keep it from these like personal attacks. It is talking about the idea. So you don't get the person that's right. saying it. You get just the idea. And I get that for debate. And that's the way that Usenet used to be. Yeah. And there was trolling and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I remember too, like the early days of like the image board type deals, like 4chan and stuff. I mean, people were rough on there. They're still rough in places like that. Mm-hmm. That bled into just normal social interactions. It's like, hey, this is how like a bunch of soccer moms organize, you know, taking the kids somewhere. And it's suddenly just like 
got 4chan soup poured into it. And that's not a really good mix because they still have all the same, they, like they have the same personal characteristics that every human being has. Well, we're nasty is, and we're tribal. And it, the, it started off as a subset of the population doing it. Yeah. It was the nerdy, geeky folk. I remember because I was one yeah. of those back in high school. You know, I, I was on the message boards and stuff like that back then. And then I also remember being in grad school when Facebook came out. I remember having a MySpace before that, but, you know, and, and when these things happened, and I remember getting frustrated that I'm like, man, I really miss like the deep conversations we used to have about important topics and everybody's just posting goofy stuff. And then they start having, having deep conversations about important topics and you realized, oh yeah, I didn't want those people in here. Well, no, they, they start having important conversations about deep topics. I'm like, awesome. This is great. And it was great for probably about five or six years yeah. of just awesome, deep intellectual debates and conversations and people not getting mad at each other. And then... And it seems like it started like around 2014, 2015 is when it started getting really toxic. Yeah. And I remember a lot of just stuff that was going on on Facebook. And I just wonder, I mean, I think part of the deal is, is it got it got too big and people mm -hmm. got, you know, like the norms changed. So instead of saying, you know, here's my opinion on this and and actually really backing it up, it was, no, you're wrong. And th these people over here are, are bad. And it started, you started seeing that. And I don't know what changes a norm like that, but it's. I don't know. Like, I remember when it was just college students. Yeah. And then when it was just college and high school students or people that have been in them, like you had to have a .edu address to, to get on. And at that point in time, there were a lot of more deeper conversations. Yeah. You know, uh, at first it was, you know, posting about parties and stuff. And then it kind of got some good deeper conversations as more of the nerdier folk got on. And then it sort of opened up to the public and there were still some like some areas where you had some great deep conversations and then it all just sort of devolved into yeah, backbiting and stuff. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is you remember like the old email list groups and those kind of yeah. things like those were great, even though a lot of times people got, you know, they got a little stupid, but the damage was kind of contained. It's like, here's a group of people. It's like a group on Facebook now, like a lot of the groups you get in, they're still decent. Mm -hmm. But it's just like the rest of Facebook, just like the wide open thing. It's not good. My next prediction for 2018 is that we'll have an increase in the tech hubs in the South. And by South, I mean the Southeastern United States. Already seen them in Austin, Texas, here in Nashville, Atlanta, Asheville, Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, we've, we've got some, but I'm predicting there will be either more hubs to pop up and or the current ones are going to grow. I'm sure the current ones are going to grow. I think we may see some more pop up. Chattanooga, yeah. I think, has got some pretty good options. I think Huntsville, Alabama is going to pop up as a as a big tech hub. I do, too, I, just from being down there. Yeah. Um, and I think I think we've got a lot going for us in this region of the country. Uh, I'm just I'm predicting we're going to see a lot more tech hubs. We may see some like some places combine into massive hubs. Well, Nashville's growing like crazy right it now. It is. Um, you know, the just, you know, just as an aside, like there's, you know, the, the subdivision I live in, there's one across the road that's being built and it was being built when we started here. We looked at possibly going there, but it was just, it didn't have what we wanted. 
And I forget what the reason was. But the houses, when we were looking, were starting at $300,000. They're starting at $700,000 right now. Yeah. Three years and some change. Let's see. It was twenty. It was 2014. Yeah. Compared to 2014 prices, like it's doubled. Now, some of that is is that some more expensive houses at the back of the, yeah. the place. Well, but- I mean, I left in 2010. And the apartment that I was living in then, when I came back in 2014, was double the price. So yeah, I mean it's it is definitely growing, but what I am what I'm saying is we're going to see more tech hubs pop up in this region of the country. And I think, you know, the ones that we have are going to grow. We may see one or two of them become major like massive tech hubs either here in Nashville, Atlanta, you know, one of those, but I think we're going to have some more big ones pop up and yeah. we're going to see a, a lot of companies have already moved here, but the startup culture is starting to grow. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely a big thing. And, and part of the reason it's growing is, you know, like Silicon Valley is expensive and there's a pretty rough tax regime in a lot of these places. And down here, I mean, we don't have income tax. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have state income tax. Obviously we have federal and that's plenty. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, we, we here in, here in Tennessee, we don't like right. Kentucky does. Right. So, but Kentucky a, also has a lower, you know, cost of living and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It makes up the difference, I think, a lot. Well, it really does. And it the, the overall cost of living in this region of the country is less. You have a lot of people, a lot of very smart people that because of where they're from would not do well in some areas. Yeah. And so I I think we're going to see more more companies starting here and more companies moving here. For and their tech. And we already are in Nashville for sure. Right. So my second prediction is the same as the second prediction in the last two years. And that is that one or more of the U.S. economic bubbles or a series of them are going to pop. The core problems with our economy are not fixed. Um, it's not just the inflation. It's the, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of cartel type behavior, especially in medical. Um, it's a lot of just really screwy accounting and things like that that are going on in, in a lot of different scenarios. It's a lot of uh, government-granted monopoly that's driving prices through the roof. And some of these bubbles, are they're going to have to go because people, you know, with uh, medical care, with the cost of that going up, just as a prime example, it's going to get to a point where it is so much of GDP, it's just not going to be affordable anymore. Mm-hmm. It already isn't affordable for a lot of people. Um, so I'm putting that one down because eventually I will be right. Uh, they keep managing to prop these things up and I don't know how, you know, like they can't do it forever. So moving to a slightly happier note than the last one, my third prediction is that we're going to have a rise in virtual reality arcade style gaming. As I see VR, it's hit the market and it's kind of expensive and I think it's going to be too high for the average consumer. It will probably start at larger places, like something like Dave and Buster's. Yeah. With some, some VR there. They've already got some games that are pretty VR. But then I think we're going to see smaller places, like we have with mini golf or laser tag, that pop up where somebody goes and spends some money and buys a bunch of VR machines. Yeah. Um, and then has an arcade. You come in and you pay you know, five, $10 to play a game. And I think that, I think we're going to see that and it's going to become a community thing. I think we're going to start to see it. I don't think it's going to become a massive thing in one year, 
But I think we're going to start to see these pop up. Yeah, and I also think there's a potential with the AR stuff. I mean, like oh, Pokemon yeah, even Go, VR, AR, either way. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think that's where we're going to to see that go. I think you're going to have people like us, even you know more gamery people that are going to get it. But your average consumer, it's going to be out of their price range. So you're going to have things like that. I mean, Nashville already has a Top Golf yeah. now, which it's not VR, or AR, but it's still like a community gaming type place for, for more of a sporty type thing. But I think we're going to see more of these. Like Dave and Buster's is very popular. You know, down in Murfreesboro, they got a mini golf place with, with an arcade. It's a lot of fun. I think we're going to see these start to pop up. Yeah. And and that's going to happen in the next year. We're going to see the first few of them pop up in the next year. It's going to start with some of the bigger places or some of the established places and then in a few years, we'll see places that come up that are just that. I know at Bar Camp, I met one of the owners of uh, the Escape Experience here in Nashville. That's sort of a, a live action game, and it's a lot of fun. I've done it, but you know, I, I met him, and I'm like, you know, this is something that is growing across the country. These types of things, and that sort of led me to thinking. That with the price, because I really want, you know, some type of VR or AR headset, but I just don't have the money for it right now. Yeah. Like my money is going to other places, mostly paying off, you know, student loans and things. But I I want that. I would love to play with it. I've done it when people brought it to conferences and stuff. So I think we're going to have people buying them and using them to make money. Because that's what I'd do. Yeah. My next prediction is that Silicon Valley is going to lose some of its control over the narrative in the tech industry, um, just in a variety of ways. Silicon Valley has got a great location. They've got a lot of capital. They've got a lot of workers with high skill. However, they also have extremely high taxes, really, really bad inequality. About any time of day, there's going to be a bum using the front stoop of a VC capital firm as a bathroom. Like that's... That's an issue. Um, you've got food workers driving in from a couple of counties over that sort of, any, you know, that disequilibrium isn't going to last forever. Now, that's an opportunity for everybody that's not there. Um, so this is not necessarily negative. Um, they also have really, really insane housing prices. Um, traffic is a problem, all that kind of stuff. So eventually all these costs compound and they make other places more competitive. That's just economics working. And when that happens, a lot of folks are going to start moving around, going to other places. We're already seeing this in some parts of the country that some of the Silicon Valley companies are coming out this way. Yeah, kind of goes along with uh, with my second prediction. Yeah, about more more coming here. So, and I did not read your predictions before writing that. That's that's what's interesting. Is- yeah, I mean it's it's going to shift. Um, the other thing that's going to happen is I think I think there's kind of like a groupthink filter bubble around the valley. Yeah. In a lot of things, um, just and again, I'll, I'll point towards Hacker News. I mean, I read it every day, but there's a lot of very frustrating commentary on there that you look at and you go, OK, where's this person from? And you go, oh, now I see where they're from. I see what they're talking about. You know, this whole uh, the whole blockchain thing. It's like, OK, yes, that's that's cool. That's a neat technology, but it, it doesn't fix everything. You know, it's you're not going to save the world. And it it's like blockchain is the new social network. For Silicon Valley, like you, you say, oh, we have a, you know, we have a product that does dung removal at farms and uses blockchain. 
And now immediately money just lands on you. And it's like that, that sort of groupthink bubble isn't really sustainable. And I think that's probably good for the rest of the culture if it kind of spreads out a little bit and people can kind of think differently in different places. And I believe they're losing control of the narrative because they're starting to lose control of the ability to say we're the focus of innovation. Mm -hmm. So I predict that that is going to accelerate over the next year. Makes sense. Now, my fourth prediction is that Will and I will be published authors by the end of the year. Although technically we're both published authors now. Just not of books. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if you, if you count the podcast and blogs and things like that. Well, I mean, I, uh, you had you had some poems published, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. And, and I you, had, you had a. I had four articles published in high school in Freshwater Marine Aquarium magazine. Yeah, so there we go. So I, I. So let me rephrase that. Then we will have published our first book, even if we have to self-publish. We'll Which have we that, probably will. Yeah, we'll have that under our belts, and, and I'm predicting that's going to happen in the next year. If you listen to the resolutions, that was one of our resolutions for the network. But I, I'm also predicting that is happening. You know, last year, my prediction, I think my last one has always been sort of about us. And so my, my final prediction with this is that we will have published our first book. Hopefully more than one within the next year. Yeah. But. We will definitely have published our first book by the end of next year. And my fourth prediction is that the Indian software development market will move more of its focus off of U.S. interests and more into the interests of other Asian countries like Russia and China. And the reason for this is that we're kind of moving away from a single pole power structure. You know, there was the whole Cold War and then... Russia came out of that a bit fragmented. There was a mess and they weren't um, as powerful economically as they had been. And the United States basically came out ahead. Well, Russia has recovered um, to, a, you know, to some degree, at least. I don't know if I would say that they've recovered completely. It's kind of hard to run those numbers because so many other things have changed. Um, China is a rising star. Uh, lots of the Asian countries are wanting to start working together and they're coming up with mutual trade deals and, and those kind of things. Uh, you're also seeing a lot of other places start to spring up, you know, in the global South, you know, countries in Africa are, are doing better in some places and countries in South America are doing better in some places. And I think that given the risk of having all their eggs in one basket, trying to service the U.S. market, I think a lot of the Indian companies out there are going to start to diversify working with other countries, especially ones that have you know, economic agreements with them that are not likely to change because they're you know, close by versus being half a world away. And I mean, this is just kind of the way that things are shifting. It's, it's not necessarily good or bad. Now, another thing that will happen is that this also will increase the cost of outsourced labor for U.S. companies. So this may shift some investment onshore. It may shift it to other countries in Asia. For some reason, they, you know, it seems like when they outsource, especially on price, it seems to hit Asia pretty hard. Um, and my fifth prediction, since you didn't have a fifth. Well, we, we had decided last year to only have four. Yeah. So I've got an extra one and it's a real simple one. I know a lot of people are talking about this and they think that something's going to change. Here's my fifth prediction. Kim Jong-un will still be in power in North Korea at the end of the year him or someone like him. Fair enough. And so I didn't write this down, but uh, I also have a fifth prediction. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that uh, 
Donald Trump will still be president. Yeah. At the end of 2018. <laughs> yeah, we hit most of our predictions for last year. Yeah. To some degree or other. Yeah. This was mainly because we saw, you know, to use a biblical quote, the handwriting on the wall in several places. You know, we've also been keeping up with the technical industry and, and watching it. And doing so will help you to better predict not only what's going to go on like what we did, but moves to make in your career. When it's a good time to move out of the place you're in and when it's a good time to stay where you're at. So just remember that going forward, keep an eye on what's going on in the greater community around you. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I guess I kind of reiterate the whole point of the episode on this one, but um, I just want to point out that things that can't continue don't continue eventually. Now, the world can stay insane a lot longer than you can stay solvent, making bets on when something's going to end. So, you know, don't do that. But just bear in mind that the, the nature of something that's not capable of continuing is that it eventually stops. And look for people, you know, look for the stuff that people say, you know, is incapable of continuing when they don't really have a resolution without making a huge mess. For instance, North Korea. Okay, cool. That can't continue. But there's a tendency to think that we have a really short-term time window on stuff like this, and we don't. And that's actually pretty good because we really need to just deal with life instead of you know big stuff that's far away. Yes, I, I get it. It's important. But slow down a little bit. Just start realizing that a lot of things go to the result that they're going to go to regardless of what you do about them and how outraged you get. Live your life. Have fun. Enjoy your life. You know, Even if you hate Kim Jong-un and you think he's the worst guy in the world or if you think the current occupant of the White House is the worst guy in the world, you can get as mad as you want, but you're probably not going to change that. And if you do change it, you'll utterly destroy your own life and the lives of all the people that you care about. Just focus on the fact that things will go the way they're supposed to go eventually if you sit still long enough. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.